You can be seated. Lord God, we ask that you remind even the loneliest of us in this room that even in the loneliest times that we are not alone and that your strength is enough to defend us, to be the one that we run to, to be our sanctuary, Lord. Father, I ask that this time be holy, that this time be set for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in this series right now called Our Core Values, trying to just flesh out this fall, why we're here, why we exist as a church. Um, when we first moved back from Chico, I got a phone call from another church in town, and uh, one of their leaders asked, why are you moving back? We're doing everything you used to do. You don't need to come back here. Well, I mean, those conversations are hard, but then sometimes they make you wonder, like, why are we coming back, and what are we going to do, and why are we different? Why do we need to be here? Reggie Joyner used to have this phrase that said, if your church were to close tomorrow, would the city miss you? I think that's a very important question for us to ask. So as we journey this fall through our core values, I'm hoping that this becomes one of those things that it is why we're here, why we exist. What makes us different? I don't just want to be different. I want to honor Jesus and the call that he's given us. If that makes us different, fine. But difference cannot define us. These five things are what define us. So we started two weeks ago with our, our core value of reach. Why we invite, how do we invite, and what it looks like to invite to bring people into church. Last week we talked about giving. We talked about this amazing principle that we believe we cannot give God. And so when we throw ourselves into this idea of giving, not just monetarily, but just sacrificially with our lives and our time, it changes everything and people come into this this idea of who Jesus is, this, this, this Jesus that we can't explain, we have to experience. And so today, it takes us into our third core value, which is gather. And I didn't want to just talk about this idea of gathering in the sense, because I, 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 I was at Hobby Lobby a couple weeks ago. That's right. I am that comfortable with my masculinity that I went to Hobby Lobby. And I love it. The fall thing this year is gather, right? There's all these signs that say gather, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I could spend so much money and just totally outfit the whole place and gather stuff. I didn't. This idea of gather is so much bigger than what we do at 1380 East 5th Street. And so it's important to talk about gathering together. It's important to talk about what the author of Hebrews mentions in gathering together, and the importance of gathering together, and how it's one of those things that we are not to forsake doing, that we are to gather together. There are people that in your lives and in my life that you hear all the time, well, I go to church every Sunday, but my church is the lake, right? Or my church is camping, my church is nature. Look, I'm telling you, I, I, I completely believe, I had a very, very heavy day on Friday, and I got to go out and be in the mountains yesterday. There is no doubt that I am close to God when I'm in the mountains. And I'm refreshed when I'm in the mountains. But that's not church. That's not assembly. Ecclesia. This idea that we assemble together. And that is what we are not to forsake. But it is so much bigger than that. Because listen, here's the problem. When we talk about gathering, so many times pastors mean attendance. 
It's important that you gather on a regular basis because I just read a Gallup poll that says now regular means 1.2 Sundays a month. So we need to nip that in the bud because, no, this is not why we gather. It's the same thing. We don't invite because we need these chairs filled. That's not what we invite. We, we reach out to our community because we have something that we truly believe that will change their life. That's why we invite people to this place. So they can hear about a hope that's different. The reason why we gather together has nothing to do, okay, it has something to do with us being in the same room. But I'm going to challenge you to think outside of what your idea of gather means. And I want you to challenge this idea of what gathering looks like and why we gather. Let's start with this command from the, uh, it is a command, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24. Or, uh, yeah, verse 24 and 25. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward the love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how we may spur each other on. I would argue that this is one of the main reasons why we gather on Sundays. How can we spur each other on? How can we figure out what's going on in our lives to come alongside people and say, I'm there with you? How can we figure out what's going on in our community? How can we figure out about families that need help if we're not gathering together? I, I, just, I don't know if you know this or not, but... Um, the city doesn't call me to tell me when people need help. The hospital does not call me to tell me you're there. So unless we gather together to pass this information on so that we can spur each other on, this is, the, this is a, a beautiful reason to gather. But I would argue it's not the reason that we gather. There's a word that has been wrestling around in my head for a long time. And that word is sacred. What makes something sacred? What makes space sacred? What makes anything... This, this word is so big, right? It's, it, it, when I hear this word sacred, I automatically go back to these, these lessons about sages and, and, and prophets and, all, and kings and priests and all these things. Sacred just seems to go along with all this heavy stuff. This idea of sacred. Well... I know why the word came up. Um, a couple weeks ago, they tore down the prayer chapel at Southern Nazarene University. Um, not because they don't believe in prayer anymore. It flooded. And there was some structural issues and stuff that was going along with that. And, and I, I, when I heard that for the first time reading the newsletter, the first thing that came to my mind was the fact that the nights that Julie and I spent in that chapel not making out, which... Apparently that was a thing, because it was the only building open 24 hours on campus. But when, when, when we went there, we were struggling with this idea of what is, what is called to ministry look like? And I remember praying so many times, holding her hand at the altar going, we're going to have to buy a motorhome, and we're going to drive around the U.S. preaching at revivals. That's what we thought, that, that, because it was very clear to me when when I, was, when I received that call, that I was to speak a language that no one else could hear. That, that, that was very clear to me. And so I thought what that meant was I was going to go into churches and stir stuff up and then leave. Evangelism is the best job ever. You just get to go and say, sinners, I'm out. Deal with that, pastor. 
And so we prayed and we prayed. And what, what does that look like? How it shaped? And when I heard that this building, and it, look, it wasn't, it wasn't a nice prayer chapel anyway. I mean, it was, it was fairly run down. And there were, there were gaps in the mortar where you could see light coming in, which was just kind of cool, but it, but it was also like probably not structurally sound. Um, and so there was this, this thing about it that I was like, well, that's just a building. Who cares? But something about that worn out mortar and those falling apart bricks and the altars that literally would splinter your hands if you rubbed them across. There was something about that place that was sacred. There was something about that place that was different, that was set aside, that that wasn't just a building on campus. There was definitely something different between the library and the prayer chapel. And so as they were tearing this down, I started to think to myself about all these things that we make sacred. And then I thought about, there's a, there's a structure on campus called the Centennial Fountain. Uh, we were there when they put it in, and uh, it became a place where everyone liked to put their laundry detergent, because it would make the whole fountain bubble. Um, now they have cameras, so if you're ever on campus, don't do it. They will catch you. It, those, those, the stones in that fountain are from a building that was from Texas that was the predecessor to Southern Texas Holiness College. And so the stones are these chiseled out stones that they took from that foundation and put in the fountain to build the centennial fountain to kind of remember where we were. And all of a sudden now, a fountain that students were constantly getting trouble for swimming in and putting their suds in becomes sacred because it, it takes us back to a place. I remember my friend Michael Pig, who is a pastor in San Marcos, Texas, he told this story about when, when the fountain was being built that his father-in-law remembered running around those stones when he was a kid. When they, you know, and, and so it's like these, these things happen. These places become sacred to us. But there, there's nothing unique about these places. It's just a fountain. None of us would go to the greenhouse center over on Curry and be like, oh my gosh, this fountain takes me to a place of Jesus. It's just a fountain. But we have these things. This is probably one of the most disgusting boards you've ever seen. It's just a board. You know what this is? This is a floorboard from the first church in Pilot Point, Texas. From the first church in Nazareth. This is one of the hardwood floorboards. Peter and Wendy were there this last summer and they brought this back to me because they know that I'm a Naz nerd and that I would appreciate this. This is just a piece of wood that none of us would ever display. But there's something different about it. There's something different about it because the people that stepped on this floor, the people that went before us, the prayers that this floor has heard, the things that took place in that little chapel happened on this. And there's a piece of this. To me, this is a sacred piece of wood. We have two of them, and they're going to be our cross in the, in the sanctuary, which I'm, I'm really excited about because uh, I'm kind of a dork. But they also brought back this, which is another piece of the floor, but it's got a picture of the church. This is the very first church of Nazarene from 1908 in Pilot Point, Texas. And it's got it branded in the back. I'm pretty sure Dwayne was pretty smart and started selling these. He's like, I know how we can fundraise. There's something sacred about these things. I think about the, the sanctuary at Sparks First Church. And I think about 
the time that, that God spoke to my heart and I went down to that altar. And I remember the time that, I, that, that Julie and I promised our lives to each other there. There are sacred places that we deal with. On Friday, I, um, I went to a memorial service of a friend of mine from high school uh, that was shocking. You know, it's hard when either you do two things. You either realize how old you're actually getting and you become a, real t- a realist that people at your age are dying. Or, or you just went, what in the world? And I was in the what in the world category. And I remember sitting in that room. It was a chapel in a, in a funeral home, but it was beautiful. There was a, a cross on the wall. The chapel, it looked like, it looked like the, the typical uh, 70s church that if you flipped upside down, it'd be a boat. You know, it kind of had the... Um, and I was sitting in there, and I thought, oh my gosh. There are a lot of people that would never claim to even consider Jesus in this room right now. A lot of hardcore theater type people. Um, and, and I thought to myself... But there's something sacred about this moment right here. There's something sacred about what we're doing right now. So I think, I think that I know what makes something sacred. It's when we gather there. It's a place that we gather together intentionally that we meet God. So when you think about the Israelites for years and years and years and years, traveling around from place to place, Their sacred spot, the place they gathered, was a tent that they set up. They gathered in this place, and the tent was not sacred. The the tent was just a tent. And as the presence of God was placed in that tent, and the people gathered around to worship, the place became sacred. So there's something about us gathering that's more than just spurring each other on with encouragement. It's more than just making sure we had a good week. It's more than just making sure where we're going to go to lunch and who's going with whom. Afterward, gathering is so much more than that because as we gather, as the body of Christ gets together, as we set aside time to meet with God, we make any space sacred. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter if we're still in the coffee shop of what is going to be a beautiful church one day. Because I believe fully, and we say this a lot around here especially, because you know what I'm talking about when I say that the church is the people, not the building. And I believe that wholeheartedly. But there is something about when the church gathers in a building and we declare this place to be sacred. There are times that I've been in church that I've seen people anointing drums with oil. Mostly because we all know that drums are not sacred. We have to pray the devil out of them. But it's amazing how we do these things because sacredness is so important. But what makes sacredness is the fact that we gather together with one another in the presence of God. That's what makes things sacred. So gathering together on Sundays is bigger than just church attendance. It's bigger than just numbers. It's not even quantitative. What makes gathering important is because this place is sacred with you in it. And so when you're at home on Saturday, you're like, they're not going to miss me. No, I, you, you know what? We may not see that you're not here. We will. We're not big enough yet. <laughs> but that's not why I want you here. 
I don't want you here so we can tick a box so Lynn can count one more person. I want you here because your presence makes this place that much more sacred. We gather together to declare that this place is holy. And as we're here, it becomes holy. It becomes sacred. We talk about this all the time. One of the hardest things about this construction thing is we don't have altars right now because we just don't have room. Now, for a lot of us West Coasters, altars are just places we might go pray sometimes. But if you go to the Midwest, altars are sacred places. You sit on one, you're going to get yelled at. And, and it's not even like, you know, the, 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 the 75-year-old woman that's sitting in the front row that you usually address by sister so-and-so. She's not the one that's going to yell at you. It's going to be a 25-year-old that gave their life to Jesus on that altar, and you better get your butt off it. Because it becomes sacred. The thing that makes us in the presence of God is the fact that God comes to meet us when we gather. There's a truth to this idea that where two or more come together, God is with us. And wherever that takes place, it becomes sacred. It becomes sacred space. So why do we gather? We gather because God wants to move amongst us. And we want to declare this place holy. And so we, we meet together with that very thing. Now what's the byproduct of that? The byproduct is that we get to spur one another on. We, we, we get to encourage one another. And we don't want to forsake the gathering together because that is important. It's important to see each other, look each other face to face, but it's also so important to be in this sacred place, this presence of God. And so regardless of where we do it, if we're out on the back patio dipping people in a hot tub that we blew up the night before, that hot tub becomes sacred. Because we're gathered out there to celebrate this baptism service. When we dedicate a child, that place becomes sacred because we're gathering together to want the presence of God to be there. When we're at a wedding, it is sacred because we are gathering in the presence of God. It is so much bigger than just what we do in these walls. It is so much bigger. A lot of you have heard me talk about before that I do actually have a boss, and, uh, and, and Steve is here, and I want him to just kind of come up real quick, because sacred goes beyond, and gathering goes beyond what we do here, and a lot of you know this, but I just wanted to give him the floor, one, so you can recognize him, so if you ever see him on the street, you can be like, that JJ <laughs> is awesome, <laughs> is what you were thinking, so Steve, can you come up? And just kind of go into what it looks like to not just gather as a people of connected, but as a people of the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, so I was walking into uh, what was understood to be a Buddhist temple with friends. And uh, as we walked in, uh, my friend said to me, you, you have to take your shoes off to go in here. Huh. So I took my shoes off. And we walked in, and it really wasn't much bigger than this, but there were no chairs. And uh, so he took us about halfway up, and he said, all right, this is where we sit. All right. 
so we sat down on this floor. And he goes, now you need to sit on your feet. You can't sit Indian style, and you definitely cannot point the bottoms of your feet to the front of the temple. All right. So I sat on my feet, and I thought, man, I hope this isn't a long service. <laughs> but nobody came. There was no service. It was just on our time. But our feet could never point the front. So we got done, and we stood up, and he said, now, when we leave, you back out of this room. You don't ever turn your back on the altar in front. So we backed out of the room. And we put our shoes on, and we walked away. And it was uh, pretty amazing uh, in its own way. Uh, I'm not a closet Buddhist, so you can relax about that. <laughs> but I found some value in that moment. We didn't gather like this. We didn't talk to anybody. We didn't sing, nothing. It was just their relationship with their consciousness in whatever that was in the front of the room. When we gather in this tradition, there is a living, holy presence amongst us, whether we get it or not. And one of the things uh, I think about when we talk about gathering, the church has always had its identity and its mission rooted in local community. And in this local community, we also understand that this is our opportunity to affirm the church even beyond where we are today. Um, a local community is always dependent on whoever came before us. And we are always accountable to whoever is going to follow us in this place. Think about that. It is not just, I came, I got something, I left. But we're here, not necessarily because this building was built to be a church, but it's going to be, because it is. But there are people who preceded us. There are people uh, who will come after us, and the reality is, we will be forgotten. They won't remember our names. I remember the guy, I think he was from Oklahoma or something, he was like the pastor, and had a really cute wife. You know, that kind of stuff, you know. And his kids, yeah. And his, and his kids were really awesome. What was this guy's name? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll be forgotten. But, but the significance of our gathering is that our faithfulness to Christ will always dynamically impact whatever the future of this place is. We're grateful for what people have done before us, and the people after us will be grateful to us. One of the unique things in the Nazarene church when we talk about gathering is sometimes we gather uh, as a region from different states, different counties. Sometimes we gather uh, globally in the general assembly of the church. Some are here this morning that were here this summer, and we gathered about 9,000 people down in Phoenix with people all over North America. And there was uh, a whole lot of adverse, uh, diversity and there was a whole lot of unity in the worship 
moments that helped us realize, wow, the church is not just <clears throat> what preceded us and what came after us, but the church is divine. It's God's. And so when we do that, and you're using the language uh, in this series, we do it around our core values. We do it around our understanding of what our mission is that Jesus gave to us. And whether it's a local, a regional, or a global gathering, there is a very intended outcome of our gatherings. And it isn't just to assure loyalty to a denomination. <laughs> uh, it's so that we will be the aroma of Christ. And we'll realize that it's a bigger aroma than Carson City, Nevada. It's a bigger aroma than the West Coast versus the Midwest. And it is a whole lot bigger than it's a North America, American thing. Um, it's global. Jesus said it himself, go to all the world. Wherever that is. It's divine. And that aroma, then, that comes out of our gathering, while it's there to help us be good people, great parents, great husbands, wives, friends, whatever, it is always and ultimately that the outcome of our gathering in being the aroma of Christ is to unite with those who are living right now, separated from God and his divine plan. Not, not our plan, not the American plan, not even the Protestant plan. And there's all those arguments happening and they're coming into the church. Why do we gather? So that we can just bring what we think God is and who we think we are and bring it in here and get a stamp on us? No. We're the aroma of Christ so that it transforms people's lives to be what he designed us to be. And he designed us to be amazing in terms of who we are and how we live. And, and my hope for this community as you gather is that you would remember somebody came before you, somebody's coming after you. And this isn't the only place this happens. You can go down the street, there's people gathering right now. I looked at some of the churches as I drove through town this morning. I thought, wow, the presence of God's going to be in that place today. Why? So that the aroma of Christ will be present in this community. And not just here, but throughout the county, the region, globally. So when we go out there to larger gatherings, God help us that it translates into the local gatherings of where we are. I would commend to you the scripture that Jade is all referred to this morning because when I knew I was going to just say a few comments about gathering, that's where I went. And it begins with, let us hold fast. Let us hold on to the profession of our faith. Prior to our gathering, when we gather and beyond our gathering points. God bless you as you continue to discover the thrill of what it means to be the body of Christ. Thanks a few years ago, I was, uh, I was what's called a district president for the Nazarene Youth International, and one of the meetings was in Pasadena. 
And for those of you that have been through the membership class, you know that Pasadena has a very dear place to the heart of the Nazarene Church. And I was, I was at Paznaz, is what they call it, Pasadena First Church. And they're all, they're, the pulpit that is still there in the front of that church is the same pulpit that Phineas Grazee preached behind. And I remember walking up to that pulpit and I asked, Keegan was the youth pastor at the time, I said, Keegan, can I touch it? <laughs> and then I remember going to the East Coast and seeing things that were the same way. Where they just had so much history and we talked about Pilot Point. We talked about all these places that are just so rich in what we have made to be sacred. They uh, decided to melt down the clay of the prayer chapel and make coffee mugs. Because that's what we do. But I can imagine to some of those people, because I, as, I, as I sit there and I just remember this space and, and the journey it takes me back to, from the prayer chapel, I can look and I can tell you where Dr. Sample's office is. I can tell you where Dr. Michelson's office is. I can tell you these places that just really, really grab me and really, really are special to me. And as Steve mentioned, it's 167, 164 places nationwide. It changes every day, it seems like. So uh, all over the world. We have not just church, I mean, there's churches gathering all over the world, but there are Nazarene churches gathering all over the world in, in, in different territories, different places, different languages, some under trees, some outside, some in giant auditoriums. But the thing that I think of, if where we gather becomes sacred and where we gather is everywhere, then everywhere is sacred. Not because it has been ordained that way, which I do believe it has, but what makes it sacred is when we gather there. And so it doesn't matter if you are here, if you are in Boston, if you are in a small town in Kansas, wherever you are, the identity of Christ comes with you, and that place becomes sacred. So the one thing I want us to leave with at this core value is that we don't have gathering together as a core value in this church so that we can boost attendance or make it more regular. The reason gathering is important in this church is because I miss your face when you're not here. I miss hearing about your new dog and the things she got in trouble with this week. I, 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 miss, I, I miss hearing about what went on in your life. There are times that, that you're gone, and I can't wait till the next week so I can say, how'd you do in the mountain bike race? <laughs> there are things that I want to know because us gathering is holy, and us being together is holy. And so on a Saturday night when you're thinking, oh man, there's just no way I'm going to make it. 10 o'clock is so late or the 49ers are playing. I used to be able to say, don't worry, they're going to lose, but they're winning. It's weird. And you think, I I'm just not going to make it to church that day. 
The last thing I want you to do is get out, get dressed, and come down here because you're obligated to come down here. What I want you to do is come down here because this sacred space is waiting for your sacredness to join it. And we gather for that reason. Steve was talking about how one day we'll be gone and people won't remember us. But you know what they will remember? Things like floorboards. Things like the cross that's on the outside of the building here. The one that didn't burn in the fire. Things, things that, that just last. My, my buddy Michael that I mentioned before has a piece of, of that, that stone. Because when he, he had an evangelist when he was in Snyder, Texas, and he was driving him to where the Texas Holiness College was, and the, the pastor of the church said, we actually have two of those stones out on our porch. And he chunked off a piece, and now it sits on his mantle. But we all do it, right? It's why we buy souvenirs when we go places. We want to remember. We will remember, not because this building used to be a bar. There was a lot of drinking that happened in this room. That's not what we're going to remember. We're going to remember the sacredness. We're going to remember the times that God showed up during baby dedications and baptisms and, and surrendering lives and, and, and just being here as we gather together. We're going to remember ideas and life-changing moments that took place because you gathered to make this place sacred. We invite because we have a Jesus that is better experienced and explained. We give because we believe you cannot outgive God. We gather because we believe God meets us. As the band comes and we go into connecting time, Jess is going to talk about the different stations. But man, what a time to make this place sacred. When you go back and you write on index cards that came from Walgreens, nothing sacred about them, but you write down that burden. When you light a candle, it's just a candle. But we have the ability to make it sacred. When you give, you have the ability to make that offering sacred. And when you take a piece of pita bread and you dip it in juice, I mean, it is 100% grape juice. But that act makes it sacred. So as we gather in our own ways, but together, do it in a way that sacredness is what motivates you to get out of your seat and move. As we move into our connecting time, which...